Hello Sim Racers, and welcome to the first Race Sim Central podcast, where grizzled old simmers sit in a darkened room and talk about sims of yore. My name is John Denton, and I'm here today with Simon Croft and RSC founder Tim Wheatley. Good afternoon Tim, how are things going? Good, thank you. How about you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. How are things going, Simon? Yeah, just rumbling on in an old grizzled manner. <laughs> so, Tim, what have you been simming recently? Oh, it's been all all retro for me. I've been going back and uh, playing the Papyrus Classic IndyCar Racing, um, number one, not number two, um, which runs in a fabulous 320 by 200 resolution that's stretched to, to 240. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very well-rounded sim. And, you know, the, the more time I put into it, the more feel I get back from it. And um, it's actually been a really interesting experience to go back and um, feel like my brain is almost filling in a lot of those physics details to the point where I'm not sure I can tell the difference between a modern and a retro sim anymore. Do you think, how well does it really hold up? I know that, that it will have certain issues like uh, it working in three dimensions, you know, you can't you can't tip the car up on two wheels or anything like that, can you? But how well does it hold up on a, on a sort of lateral plane? It's, it's pretty good. You can definitely feel um, weight transfer in that, uh, you know, if you um, are, are, are far too sharp with the steering, um, you know, combining that with the throttle that you can definitely feel that and um you know i'm i'm always uh, a little bit wary of saying maybe that you can feel it because i'm not sure if it's my brain kind of filling in the detail but uh i i, I de- it it definitely appears so to me and um yeah there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of gameplay in that title that uh, I don't really remember as a kid. I, I, I think I remember mostly as a kid turning around, going the wrong way and seeing how big of an accident I could cause. Um, but uh, but yeah, now it's um, it, it, it's a really solid experience and I actually think I might try to do a full championship at some point. Like what, with full length races? Yeah, absolutely. There's nice. um, I, I did a full length uh, race at the Michigan Speedway uh, the other day and um, I passed for the win um, with like two laps to go. Um, the AI were much faster than me when they were slipstreaming me. So, um, you know, I, 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 I basically had to wait for the right time and then hope that they couldn't catch me. But I, w- I was actually helped a little bit because because one of the AI slightly slowed up the other one and I managed to get past them and create enough of a gap. that um, On the final lap, they were catching me, but they didn't get to uh, pass me. So, How yeah, well... it was a gr- great win. How well do the AI deal with um, pit strategy and things like that on a two hundred lap race? It's 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 pretty basic. I I think they have a pit window, um, and uh, they seem to be fairly consistent. Although they didn't all come in on the same lap and things like that. The um, I only had one caution the whole race, which was quite surprising to me because I I remembered the AI being much worse. And um, you know I was pretty pretty wrong about that because I'm using a, a vanilla. Um, install um, with with the default car sets, everything like that, and uh, yeah, they they didn't stumble over each other. I didn't stumble over them, um, and uh, yeah, we got to do a lot of green flag running, and they just went into the pits in you know various small groups over um, over a few laps, and um, yeah, they they were on the same strategy as me, so um, I think it worked great. Fantastic. I mean, it's what uh, nineteen ninety three says. Thirty-year-old, yeah, thirty-year-old sim now. 
Did you ever play that one, Simon? I can't say I have. Maybe. My uh, my my journey started much later than that. <laughs> we um one of the finest things I remember about IndyCar Racing One, and I think it was a feature in IndyCar Racing Two, was the way that when you were in the setup pages, well setup. Uh, scenes you were actually in a garage and the, the camera would zoom around the car and look at the various aspects and that, I think that's something modern sims could start doing to give more relevance to the setup stuff you know like people often talk about setup pages just being this wall of numbers and like the where the camera would zoom around the car it gave you a much better like as somebody who was quite young then I didn't know what camber was or caster or anything like that and so to zoom around the car and actually give me a visual representation of what what I was doing with those things was uh, was really useful makes it all a bit more tangible Indeed. relates to what it's actually what's going on so what have you been simming simon so unfortunately my uh, my adult time is far more limited than I'd like but my uh, my go to of late is just dipping in and out of a set of Corsa from time to time. I go back to my two or three favorite cars, so namely the, the Group A E30 M3 DTM version, um, the Audi Quattro, and uh, also the Group A Toyota Celica. So the M3 tends to get rattled around Mugello. Um, the, the Celica tends to take on some of the, the smaller, tighter, twistier circuits. And then the Quattro, um, there's the Highland circuit, I can't remember its proper name in the game, but it's basically got some corners and some long flowing bits so you can stretch its legs a bit. Oh, that's the circuit that's like a drive through the Lake District, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Quite, quite, quite wide and flowing, but then there's some sort of slightly tighter twisty bits and a little residential section on cobbles so you get to a wall to roll briefly i presume in the uh, audi you get up to uh, absolutely ridiculous speeds on those roads yeah uh, yeah you Ordinary. um terrifying you, 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 <laughs> use, you use the brakes to their full ability put it that way. <laughs> well the only uh, retro simming i've been doing recently has been i i uh, fired up a ps2 emulator and and um got Gran Turismo 4 going again um, and got myself delved into a bit of a career there. Um, PC SX2 emulator allows you to uh, do some uh, pretty trick things with uh, anti-aliasing and making um, these older titles look a lot prettier. Um, and actually, it's surprisingly good how, how uh, good it made uh, Gran Turismo 4 look. I do seem to remember even in the PS2 days that Gran Turismo 4 was... Like when it came out, we were like, "This is the best looking game I've ever seen in the in my life." Whenever it was, two thousand and two or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it's obviously, with age, doesn't look quite as good. Yeah, I I remember um, that for a long time it felt like the Gran Turismo series was almost the the title that sold the graphics that a um, that a console was actually capable of. Um, you know, it it, it kind of seemed like the showcase. But uh, for the console, but um, I was wondering, like um, same same as IndyCar racing, how did it compare as far as physics and feel and um, e even gameplay? Because I think a lot of people look back on GT4 as still being the best one of the bunch. Yeah, it does tend to be regarded as the the peak. Um, it's interesting, really, because I think some of the complaints about 
the modern Gran Turismo's is that um, there's too much grind, whereas I think in Gran Turismo 4 there's even more grind. Uh, certainly in, in all of the earlier ones, Gran Turismo's 1 through 4, um, you, you got a lot less money for your effort, um, and so you would end up having to, certainly in the early game, you would end up having to redo races quite a lot. Um, and just to get enough money to be in a position to buy the next car or whatnot. Whereas I think, certainly I mean, last year I was playing Gran Turismo 7 a lot, and, and I think comparatively it gives you a lot very early, and you know, you're know you getting given free cars uh, left, right and centre, and, and a lot of those cars are then useful for the next championship along the line and things like that, and it basically feeds the gameplay uh, quite well, whereas in Gran Turismo 4 I was finding, you know, I bought like a uh, Toyota Celica and the meagre amount of money I was getting for winning these lower level races, I was able to, you know, upgrade the turbo, upgrade the brakes steadily, and then I'd try to enter sort of the next series up along the line and I'd, and I'd be absolutely blown away and end up coming like fifth or whatnot, and you have to do a lot more what is grind? I mean, I, I don't really hold with the grind thing so much because it is doing like, like well, you call it grind, but it's doing car races, which is what the game is. So you know, I don't know. Like, it's not like when you get to the end of that grind, you're not going to just be doing more car races anyway. But um, yeah, it's a it's a strange one where um, AI wise, uh, it doesn't hold up that well. But then again, I don't think Gran Turismo was ever really that strong on that front. Like it's very much a game in that sense, rather than um, a sort of serious sim. Like you know, there's no qualifying; you always start last. That's part of the challenge of what Gran Turismo is about, as the the gameplay basically is that you have to win that race from the back every single time, and you know it's not about uh, a, a sort of realistic motorsport uh, simulation in that sense. But um, I mean, I thought the AI was better than I. Th- was ex- better than I had remembered it being, um, but I think I was also better at driving it than I probably was in uh, twenty years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, some of the tracks look surprisingly good. Their rendition of Mategi, for instance, is absolutely glorious, and um, Suzuka as well. Um, I've not really, as I say, I didn't. I played probably for about five hours and still didn't get very far. And this is where this is where I think the game was a lot harsher on us um, than the more modern ones are. How well does the force feedback translate on more modern equipment? Because that would have been was that sort of driving force GT era wheel? Oh no, it was before that. That was um, on the PS2. I don't even know if there was such a thing as a force feedback wheel on the PS2. Uh, Tim might know that one. I don't, I don't think there was, no, no I, don't I don't think there was think anything that. like that. Um, I, I would actually be surprised if there was more than one or two steering wheels um, at, at, at that point, and I think they were pretty basic. Yeah, with, um, with like 90 degrees turning radius. And... So like, does, it ha- does it have any force feedback then, or is it just sort of weighted feel? I mean, I'm playing it on a controller, Simon. So it's, uh, okay. I don't right. know. I don't. I, I looked at the controls options, and I don't think there's anything in there for wheels at all. Um, okay. So where all the, the more when I say more modern, um, I mean like from the PS3 era, Gran Turismo's onwards, they had default presets in for things like the DFGT, Driving Force Pro, and the G25. Um, there's none of that in there in, in GT4. So. 
I don't think there was necessarily any wheel support, but maybe if you'd have plugged in one of those terrible Mad Cat's wheels that tended to exist, then, then maybe it would have worked. But as I say, you probably would have had 90 degrees motion on the wheel and it, it would just be translating what the steering axis on the controller is doing. Um, so, you know, you're using liberal amounts of steering help and braking help and things like that just to uh, to get round. But it can be quite good. The weight transfer is very good and you can sort of, you know, kick the car sideways and, and things like that. But uh, I don't... If it's not uh, high fidelity and would, you know, if it was much more high fidelity, it would require a, con a decent control system anyway. Right, so moving on. Um, for this inaugural podcast, I've asked our pundits, Tim and Simon, to arrive with a talking point of discussion, something that tickles their mind in the world of sim racing. So, Tim, how do you feel about getting us started with your choice for today? Thanks. Uh, my uh, my topic is role play, which um, you know it, it's a it's it's a word that I think a lot of people don't um, don't understand the context of um, you know when I'm using it f for this kind of thing. But uh, the the thing that really appealed to me with racing games as as a kid was was kind of putting myself in the in the race. You know, racing the he the heroes that I saw on TV, and um, I, I I did this with um, Sims for many years where I would find out the real race result I would edit the AI so that they finished in a um, in a realistic order and then I I would go through the process of putting myself in that race putting myself in that championship and um, basically going head-to-head -head with my heroes and uh, I would try to um, replicate things as realistic as I could um, and uh, yeah try to just, just basically do do the best that I could, and um, you know, so sometimes I would put my own team in there. You know, if it was a, um, if it was a, a season in, for example, Grand Prix One, which which shipped with um, uh, quite quite a lot of different for, uh, Formula One teams, um, and in later seasons, as there was less Formula One teams, obviously there was too many AIs. So I would make the slower AIs. Um, you know, so that they would qualify at the back and um, and 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 stuff like that to kind of dump them out out of the race during qualifying. And um, I would uh, take over one of the teams myself with some made-up teammate, and I would go out there and try to uh, to win. Was your made-up teammate one of like somebody you knew, one of your friends from school, or something like that? Quite often it was like a uh, retired driver or, um, you know, I, I actually had Senna as my teammate for a while after 94 um, and, and kind of kept him racing. And, uh, you know, with with the um, with the NASCAR side especially, because I, I, I didn't really know that NASCAR existed before I bought the first NASCAR racing title. Um, and then I realized that there was race reports on it, like back in the rear end of... Um, um, Autosport magazine, yeah. and uh, they would just show that show the top twenty. So I had to figure out from from the points um, where where to put everybody who was outside the top twenty as far as the AI speeds went. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 was a really interesting thing to do, and I used to uh, completely role play my way through the through the season. Where if I basically got in a really serious accident, I would consider that you know I was done for that season, and then I would restart with a new season. You know where I'd healed up and was 
fit and ready to go again. And uh, yeah, it uh, it really added something that um, you know is certainly missing today, especially with a lot of titles that don't even have like a championship mode. But would you have say skipped qualifying if you crashed heavily in in FP three or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I, I I basically tried to um, you know be as realistic as I could expect um, to be uh, back back then with most of the Formula One titles. You had a um, you had a couple of qualifying sessions to yeah uh, Friday and Saturday yeah yeah. Yeah, to try to get a time in, which which I wish they would go back to, but you know that's another topic. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it, I, I I tried to role play as realistic as possible, and it, it really added something. Um, like er, every mistake mattered, um, you know, in a in a, in a way that it really doesn't so much um, today. You know, I it, it, the whole kind of uh, shift R thing that that. That um, you know came in, and uh, the debate on that that was in the record um, auto simulators news groups that it wasn't really um, a feature that a lot of people liked because they didn't feel it was realistic that you could just reset your car. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I I I never gave myself a shift R. <laughs> I must say I did exactly the same thing with F1 GP. I, I think I did seven se- the seven seasons of of a career. Um, in one career, in, in one season, indeed, with Benetton, I believe a, a friend of mine that we used to go karting together as was my teammate. Um, but uh, yeah, the the um, had F one GP edit right, and you could change the color schemes and everything. So I remember changing the the Williams over to a Rothmans livery and things like that. Um, and also, I believe I think in ninety seven, Michael Schumacher moved to Williams and things like that. And I don't because I was obviously the races as I was going through the races, I was way ahead of the real seasons. It would happen much faster for me. So I was, I think you know, like I probably ran through seven seasons over the course of two years or something. And so uh, you know, like I was developing and. Um, bringing in um, people that I because again I'd look through auto, read through autosport religiously and I'd, I was reading about people like uh, like Jan Magnussen dominating the Formula Three Championship and so I brought him in and um, in F1 GP edit you could edit the AI's performance levels and things like that and the car performance levels to adjust it so I was I just sort of made a full hobby of that I do I remember having a full notepad where I wrote all the results in, in as well like very. Very very sad, but uh, it's um, it added a great deal to it. But it's interesting you say that, like you know, where some sims now don't even have the championship mode. Um, you know, you can't you can't really replicate the same thing, and it doesn't give the same gravitas to the events within the game. You know, like I, I think I've found with a lot of um, modern sims where you where you do a sort of race weekend, you get to the end of it, and then you're just sort of bombed back to the menu and. And you sort of think, okay, well, what was the point in that? And, and you know, what what have I, you know, what what have I got out of it? But uh, it's not quite the same thing. When you um talking about like editing the AI and stuff, when if if you're taking the approach you're describing, both of you, and so you're then not just thinking about kind of like who the competitors are in the season, but also it's affecting how you're actually approaching an individual race. You know, if I'm going to make a mistake, that's me basically out, even if the game doesn't punish you. Did you find that made the game relative to the AI much harder? So you have to kind of slow them down because it was almost set up as a game allowing you to do whatever you could get away with. Or did you find actually 
driving realistically or as realistically as you could allowed you to perform at the level required to be successful in it? I, I actually used to set the AI and I, I, I still do when I want a decent race. I used to set the AI where um, they were fast enough for me to only finish at the position that I should have been able to finish. So I had to be 100% perfect in, in the race to finish where I expected to finish you know if i was in a a uh, jordan for example you know i um in uh, 1994 i might have expected to get the odd podium um and 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 that's it um so you know when i i, I would you know go go through like a, a qualifying session a few races and i would i would i would get used to where i needed to put the ai but um but yeah i i really only wanted to be as fast as um as i should be and uh the the thing with formula one grand prix is that it didn't matter which team you drove for um every player car was exactly the same speed so so basically i did have to move the ai um you know faster to make my car the right speed that it should be um you know on the on the grid yeah, so I think the player car was set at like 730 horsepower, and so you had to give the McLarens and the Williams 800, 850 yeah. or whatever to get them ahead. And I would do exactly the same as Tim. If my season was with Minardi or whatnot, then, you know, if I was if I was getting in the points, then I was fortunate. And that was, you know, like I'd uh, have a heroic drive to fourth place at Monaco or something like that, Whereas, but then, like, you know, there'd be other circuits where I wouldn't be able to touch... Um, the top positions and maybe even the top 10 and then um, the McLarens and the Williams would be completely in a different race, you know. Um, but then then obviously as my career developed, you know, I signed an exciting deal with McLaren and so I was able to race at the front all of a sudden and and, um, and change things up. But then I as a new season dawned, I, I would modify the AI again so that, you know, okay, well, I'm with McLaren now, but... In 1994, the McLaren's not really that good, so I'm well behind the Williams and the, and the Benetton, and um, so uh, you know I'd have to edit the AI accordingly. And so still, you know, I still score a couple of heroic wins with McLaren that year or whatever. But the the championship went to went to Senna in the Williams, of course. So. It was yeah, always... that's interesting. I, uh, I I I actually replaced Senna in one of my uh, heresy. Heresy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I I think that kind of ties into what you were saying about the the grind, though. Is you know why why did we have that impulse to almost give ourselves one, um, and uh, you know actually set things up that way? And I, I what was interesting about what you said about. Um, GT4 was that you were making these incremental changes to your car um, and like still struggling um, and I feel like these days um, if you go into a lot of simulations with the, with the AI um, you can you the upgrades almost don't count you know it's um, it it, it, it kind of doesn't feel like it makes that much of a difference to the vehicles um, and uh, I, I don't know if that's a skill thing where basically um, almost like how they say, you know, that you need to practice before you start messing with setups. Um, you know, it, it, you basically can be, um, well, the, the, the best sim racers can be as fast with the worst setup as the 
worst sim racer with the best setup kind of thing. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it just makes me wonder whether there's actually, you know, so, so, something to that, that it's, um, that the, whether the games have changed or whether the players have actually changed, would they still accept that challenge these days? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's sort of the nature of Formula One racing on the whole, but I don't think the modern Formula One titles really do it, do they? Because they, they have a career mode where you sign up for a lower-end team, but that lower-end team seems to be able to perform incredibly well regardless. Um, I seem to remember in, in... I can't remember, I don't play these, all of these, but I think a, a few years ago I played one of the F1 titles and I came in as Renault, and, like, at the first race I qualified fourth on the grid, and... and that the Renault was nowhere near that during that season, and um, it's uh, to me that's immersion breaking. Um, but I think maybe to a lot of people, you know, if they want to drive their favourite car, they also don't want to necessarily drive around in seventeenth place. But to me, that's what a realistic simulation of Formula One racing is. Like, there's a reality yeah. of Formula One racing that, like, you know, people like. Um, uh, Stefano Modena had entire careers where you know finishing in the points was a rarity and and um that didn't negate their incredible skill or it just meant that they were in a, a brabham you know I think it's you know very different people are looking for different things from titles and the experience and for some it's well, I think for everyone to some degree it's doing something often that you can't do in real life, but for some people that means having the experience of a F1 career, struggles and all, and for others it means, oh, I want to jump in the Ferrari and win the championship and not go through the climb the ladder to get there. And I think, you know, likewise, you take something like Gran Turismo, some people just want to get in there and have and drive the fastest, most powerful car. Others want to start with the, the lowly, cheap, underpowered thing and, you know, slowly build up, almost replicate in a real-life career unless you happen to be incredibly well off i i kind of wonder if seasonal releases are what killed this um you know if 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 i look back on grand prix one grand prix two i i didn't buy grand prix two the year it came out so you know i had a little bit longer with grand prix one um and uh you know that was years years and years of time um, it was and, a three-year uh, gap between GP1 and GP2 anyway, yeah. I mean, I bought GP2 yeah, exactly. the day so, it came out, to be fair. I mean, you know, you can you, you could play through a season once, obviously, but, um, you know, that, that's that's the thing these days, is that, you know, by the, it, it might be a combination of um, seasonal titles and then having less time overall, you know, as you get older with, you know, family, whatever, or work. Um, you know, you you just have less time, and um, putting the time into multiple seasons within a single year just seems kind of impossible. Um, you know, I, I I wonder whether that's a factor for me at least, and whether that's a factor for a lot of other people. But uh, but yeah, yearly titles, it's almost like well, it's doing the next season for you. Yeah, and who, and have you even got the time to complete that season before the new title comes out? Yeah. In, in terms of your kind of, you know, the, the, the subject of role play and, and some of the things you guys have been describing, how do you feel any of this is at all translates to when you've got titles like, say, iRacing, where 
you are having seasons competing against real, real people. Sometimes it'll be the same people season after season, sometimes not. You know, do you does that almost remove the need for that because you are effectively having a lot of that experience for real? Or, or do you still find the kind of, uh, you adopt a certain mindset to make it a bit more than it maybe is just on the surface? Well, I think in iRacing as well, at the moment, you have their AI is very good and, and you can actually do exactly what we've been doing in, in the sense of creating an AI roster that is a, a series of drivers and set their AI uh, characteristics and, and performance. Um, so you could construct, in fact, you could probably spend um, 15 hours just getting your AI roster up to scratch. But, um, you know, like uh, Shift R is is possibly where, as Tim was saying, that's that's where it kind of breaks down. And even in the online version of iRacing, you know, the, the idea that you press escape and your car is always restored, restored or press shift R, in fact, and, and your car is restored to perfect straight away. Um, you can it does it does give you that, but it's about much more about the racing than it is about the simulation of the sport. I think. Yeah i i th- I think it's um it's it's difficult to say because I mean the 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 current Formula One titles um you know they they do have the flashback feature where you can go into the menu and you can rewind the replay and then tell it where you're going to restart from you know after after you've crashed um and uh, little elements like that have, have have definitely kind of taken away a little bit but that that's a feature in a few things um but obviously that doesn't apply to online play with um with iRacing and stuff so you know to to bring it back to the role play i um i i I would find that if i was consistent when i was using iRacing a lot um if i was consistent on what time i raced and what i raced i would end up racing the same people i would i would start to recognize the names and um, you know, even though there wasn't any kind of official declaration of rivalry or anything like that, I, I definitely had in my head that person beat me last time, um, and you, you know that that was motivation. And essentially, that's that is role playing. You know, that's 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 me getting it in my head that you know I I have a rivalry with this person that I've raced with them before, and I want to beat them this time. As long as you're not screaming down the uh, the radio, uh, the the voice comms at them. I I think I think you're right, especially in the sort of historic series, um, racing things like the uh, Nissan GTP or, or even the Lotus Forty Nine or Lotus Seventy Nine, where the communities are a lot smaller around those cars, you do end up um, with the same, more or less the same people, especially if you race at the same sort of times. Um, I used to do it a race like every Tuesday. At um, about six pm, and and it wasn't always exactly the same people, but quite a lot of the same people would show up. I don't necessarily find it's as convivial as it could be, but you know that's um, I guess online online gaming as the as a whole doesn't necessarily seem uh, cheery and friendly. A little bit more um, a bit more aggressively competitive. You know, I, I, I guess that, um, you know, kind of role play and everything, it, it ties in a little bit to um, Simon's topic. I guess, uh, you know, he could move on to move on to that right now. 
yeah, there's definitely some uh, some overlapping areas. So, so my topic is persistence, and it's quite a quite a broad one, but specifically it it, it ties in with some of the points about sort of shift R and, and things like that. And it, it's basically it's something that I think is largely lacking from titles, and maybe your role playing was some way um, making up for what was was missing. And I think. In my mind, it's a similar thing, and maybe it's an element of role playing itself. And it, it's basically, um, for me, I, as I said, when I, you know, my driving tends to be quite limited these days, and I pop into, say, a set of Corsa, and I've got a few cars that I go to, even though I've got however many cars in there with all the DLC and stuff. And, you know, in my mind, it's not just an E30 M3, it's my E30 M3 albeit within the title itself. There's nothing to distinguish it from anyone else's. It doesn't matter what mileage I've put on it, what scrapes I've had, you know, what barriers I've gone into. It's basically every time just a brand new car. There's no history associated with it. There's no basically continuity from one session to another, one race, one track visit, etc. And I, I just... It, a lot of this, I think, is a seeds that were planted by what was promised by racing legends, and it's basically never come to fruition. It, um, was there a... Um, I think it was the one of the early Kunos titles. Um, did, uh, wasn't there like, an, um, like a mileage uh, a recording for each car? Uh, in yes. Netcar Pro, I think they gave you a. They recorded the mileage overall that you had done. It wasn't per car. I don't think. Did did Nam, think Nami accidents as well? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's probably the last sim that had the the features that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, the, the other thing about Netcar Pro is that you would, uh, if you drove the car for twenty laps and the tires were worn, the next time you started up the game and went into that car, the tires were still worn. And this is yeah. this caught out um, loads of people because again, Netcar Pro didn't have particularly good documentation, to be fair, and so people didn't necessarily know that this was the case. And you, I mean, you could see the tires, and you could visually um, there was visual indications that they were worn out. But people would be like, uh, you know, oh, I've been driving for four hours, and it just seems to get more and more difficult. And it's of course because the tires were completely destroyed. Um, and then they'd press escape, go back to the pits after they'd crashed or whatever and, and start again, but not change the tyres. And you just had to go into the garage screen and change the tyres and then you were away. But no one seemed to know to do that. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the whole session to session thing with R-Factor 2 was a bit of a struggle for people too. Like they, um, they, they wouldn't understand that, you know, if it rained, then the, the track was... And obviously green again with less less grip, and you know they were kind of having to start over building it up, and you know that that was a new thing for sim racing at that point, pretty much. Um, so yeah, the cold cold tires on top of that as well was r really difficult for people. There was a lot of um, you know uh, uh, discussion on how how realistic it, it 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 was even, and you know we were constantly being told by real racing drivers like, no, no, you've got it right. <laughs> it's you know, it's an interesting point that though because it, where Sims have looked at to maintain persistence of the development of the racetrack through say a race weekend, there is no persistence on the car and you know in in 
in our factor two maybe the racetrack is developing through that weekend but like the car you turn up at the next practice session and your car is brand new again um and there was never any the the i think this is what you're getting at simon like it was never any sort of like uh wear and tear or, or it was never you know you never had to um get a long brake pedal or things like that um which i think rally sims did some of the rally championship series of games um you know they had i think in the wrc games now as well like it's sort of a feature of rally games that in between stages you go to the service park and and have to make repairs and you've got a certain amount of time for those repairs and things like that and that essentially your currency is time in that and that was a similar yeah. thing in netcar pro of course where you have to sit in the pits for 20 minutes while um while you change your springs yeah and it some of some of it i i completely understand why you know some of these like the notion that you crash a car and then you've got to wait a week while it gets fixed or something before you can drive it is <laughs> It's not the way to necessarily grow your customer base in, in general. But it's also something that could quite easily be a setting if it were in there. You know, I'm not suggesting that everyone should be doing this and I don't know why they're not. I think for me, it's it's where role play comes in for me, probably, in, in, in how I approach these things. Is I, I'm protective of my car and if I crash it, I think, oh no, I've crashed that car that I've done all these miles in and that I love. But ultimately, it's all in my head. You know, there's no... There's no effect of that. There's no consequence of it other than my pride taking a bit of a, a hammer and, and me, me feeling a bit guilty. And I think it, it also extends to things, you know, I, something that I think would be nice is that, you know, if you've got a track, tra tracks tend not to sort of, you have persistence in the way you, you've been describing about like over a weekend and the rubbering in or something. I'd, I'd really love to see a track where if someone has a big smash, a bit of barrier gets replaced, and then, you know, next time you load that circuit up, there's a shiny new bit of barrier. Just little things like that, I think, would really add to a, a sense of continuity, but also immersion. You know, you can imagine going back to a track where you've smashed out whilst you're in the middle of a race and seeing that new bit of barrier, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember why that's there. It was my doing. I just, I, I think it's just part of the experience again ties in what we we're saying before about like different people probably want different things from this but my i'm not necessarily personally so keen in simulating or, or experiencing a 20 race championship or something i approach sim racing more as i imagine i was fortunate enough to own one of these cars and i was going and doing track days or something like that that's kind of it's the amount of time and effort I've got to dedicate to this and so that's kind of what would be for me in a way a realistic or tangible thing that maybe one day I could do and and I just like the idea that you know this is my car I keep going back to say a few tracks see if I can get better or you know I, I change the setup I'm not interested necessarily in going from track to track to track or car to car to car I kind of tend to personally adopt a much longer term relationship with a, a vehicle and a, and a series of trucks and it is you know if in real life I had a car that I was to take track that's how it'd be you know I'm not going to have a garage full I'm not going to be going all over the world to all these different tracks I'm just going to have a few that I probably keep revisiting would, would you um, want to get underneath your uh, virtual car and um, you know drain the oil 
Do you think? I mean, do you think that that is a uh, worthwhile gameplay aspect to have to say, you know, to, uh, change your brake pads, or would you, or, or or do you feel? I mean, I feel, for instance, that brake pads should be something that wears out on a car, and actually, this feeds into what I wanted to talk about today, which is degradation of the vehicles and the vehicle simulations. So we might as well sort of breach these subjects altogether. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially. If, if in a sim, you know, your brake pads wear out over a series of sessions in, in the way that, um, you know, the the rally sims would give you like a, a percentage and you get to the end of the stage and it'd be like the brakes are at 70% and then you get to the next, you finish the next stage and the brakes are down to 30% and at which point you need to dedicate some time to getting the guys to fix that. Um, but if, if that was in a more circuit racing scenario and you're vehicle is persistent across the races you do you might not have to say let's say you don't have to replace the brake discs for a a thousand miles so you do several races several practice sessions you know whatever you might it might take a a month or more um, of driving before you're ready to change those brake pads um you know, I think that's worthwhile, but I, I don't. Do you think there's a worthwhile gameplay element in making you the mechanic and and actually doing that sort of thing, like in Car Mechanic Simulator? Well, this is a yeah. I mean, I'm not suggesting necessarily that that's the the what I, that's not necessarily what I advocate of, of going to that. I think if if there's to be a point in say having you know oil degradation, brake pad wear, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I guess. There's, there's got to be some sort of currency to make it a worthwhile addition. So you, as you mentioned in like a, a rally title, it might be right, you've got an hour's service and you've got each these tasks and they take a certain amount of time. What are you going to choose to have done? Do you get that suspension fixed, but you're driving around with a smashed windscreen? Are you, you know, have you changed all your tires and stuff, but you've not had time to address this issue? If you're talking about something like, Gran Turismo, it could be like the currency is money. You know, you get your prize money, but it's not just then, oh, great, I can buy a bigger and bigger turbo. It's like I need to fix these things. Or if you do have the kind of, you know, the mechanic simulation thing, then the currency is your time to do it. So I think there has to be something. Otherwise, it basically just becomes, oh, I just tick a box and reset it. And then what's the point? So I guess there has to be some kind of, for want of a better word, penalty to it that has to be kind of paid for in in some way or another. I mean, I think you could say, you know, as you say, the, the currency of time, I think, is more critical on the most part. And, and integrating a, an economy is a bit of a strange thing. I mean, Gran Turismo does it, but it's sort of strange that you won't, the only way you can make more money is by doing races. And if your car's too broken, you can't do races, so you can't make more money. But then, you know, maybe that's when you get presented with the game over screen and you have to start again. I don't really know. Um, but, I mean, giving the currency of time, uh, and, and as you say, maybe you can save money by fitting the parts yourselves. But, I mean, from the perspective of the developer having to add in a whole mechanic simulation uh, for that purpose is interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I think as well, what I was just thinking is that, like, um, if you break certain parts or certain parts have failed, um, while you're at the racetrack, maybe you could have a, a situation where you can't obtain those parts, not until mm. after the race weekend. And, and so, you know, as with, with Tim's previous situation, you're out of that, you're out of that race weekend. You can't, you can't race. 
and before you go to the race weekend, you have to take a look at your your vehicle and and uh, make sure you replace the springs before you go, or something like that. I was I was thinking maybe it should be something where there's a gameplay tie-in or something like that, where you know with iRacing right now you have people that play the role of of just being a uh, spotter for the you know for the driver mm. and. Um, you know, maybe you could have a mechanic, and uh, you know, if 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 iRacing really wanted to, I'm sure they could develop a parallel title um, that uh, that hooked into iRacing, where basically someone had to be the mechanic. Um, you know, there's there's a there's obviously a lot to that, but uh, yeah, that's that's the dream world that we all want to live in. I I think is where everybody gets their game that involves us, you know, being able to go out there and actually drive drive the car but there's someone doing every single aspect of it there's there's a team owner there's a team manager there's you know sponsors being brought in there's um you know the the uh, mechanics there's the spotter there's you know the uh, crew chief maybe setting up the car based on your feedback um yeah that's yeah. that's that's the kind of dream world that i live in that's that's mm-hmm. never going to exist a lot of the uh, sort of esports teams have race engineers as well, don't they? And people work that essentially assist with uh, working on setup and telemetry analysis and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, I think the I... difficult question for me really is that like I agree with these concepts of persistence and degradation. I think that there are other simulator titles, you know, flight sims and and um, and military sims that do these things already. Um, I'm just trying to understand within my own mind whether it would actually bring any real benefit. I think it changes. It would change the way people go about racing to know that their vehicle, if they damage their vehicle enough, then they're out of the race weekend. You know. Well, I I, I think it would help in the same way that I think F1 was helped by people being able to miss gears. Um, you know, I I I watched a. Um, I watched a um, series of 1980s Formula One races recently where I, I, I swear m- most of the passes were every time the guy in front missed a uh, gear. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, when I, when I think back to how much better I felt about that racing when in actuality it was just the guy in front, you know, making a mistake or maybe his, 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 you know, gearbox was sort of going. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that um, th- those kind of uh, changes to the car itself, whether it's tire wear, whether it's you know the um, the uh, fuel load, um, you know the the little um, um, integrated parts that might make you faster towards the end of a run or um, or uh, slower depending on how you've driven. I, I think that factors into how good the racing is too, because you know you you should be able to strategize on how you're going to drive the car just as much as when you're going to pit and uh, I, I I think that is a really exciting part of racing but um, but yeah it, it has to be done right and that's really 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 difficult um, I, I, I think uh, I'm not sure whether it was the last build or the build before with iRacing again um, there was this uh, big big thing about the tires and the uh, NASCAR guys um, with with their um, um, eSports series who basically figured out that they needed to underdrive uh, massively to uh, 
be able to gain a massive um, 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 overall speed advantage. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, just being able to figure that out and then being able to obviously strategize and stuff like that. Um, the uh, One of the esports drivers who's won the championship, I think, five times now, um, didn't qualify because, um, you know, it, it, and 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 wasn't in this previous season um, for the NASCAR um, uh, um, um, E series. Um, I think basically based on not getting, um, you know, through through that changed to the tire model, and um, you know that's 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 pretty major. Yeah, but um, we the current crop of modern sims really make people look at the tires uh, in in forensic detail. Um, but then not much else in the rest of the vehicle. Um, you know, like, uh, I don't, you know, some, uh, uh, Assetto Corsa Competizione has um, brake wear, uh, and so that means that there is a degree of mechanical sympathy. Um, but racing in motorsport in real life involves mechanical sympathy across the board, and, you know, you need to look after your vehicle in more more than just the tires you know and if you especially in endurance racing if you want to get to the end of races um and i think at the moment sims focus a great deal on the tires and the rest of the vehicle is almost this functionary that sits on top of the tires and um could do with possibly a little bit more uh or solid vehicle simulation involved really um i think a lot of this would depend very much on or in terms of the the magnitude of the effect or quite how it manifests itself in real life would depend obviously very much on the series but for example i i there's a, a guy on youtube i follow who races in the uk um toyota mr2 championship and so this isn't massive budget racing and he's not got a massive budget and so he's like oh i've got these tires they're kind of knackered do i run them again do i run them at this practice like test day do i buy some new ones but then i can't afford this and and you know in in those instances yes you've got like you know looking after your tires for the duration of a race you know do you save them so you're stronger at the end of the you know at the end of the the race period and you've got things like you know trying to you know mechanical sympathy to avoid kind of failures during the race but there's also a much longer term consideration of, you know, right, these pads are getting pretty low, but they've still got some life left on them. So I don't have to buy new ones of those and, and things like that. And you can imagine almost extrapolating what you're talking about, Tim, in terms of that pacing yourself. You can imagine also pacing yourself over a season. It's like, am I going to have a car that's going to be able to turn a lap in five races time if I just keep ragging it, basically? That's, um, yeah, this is interesting because I... Um... I obviously uh, licensed and went to uh, visit with the um, Russia Formula One team when they were in the uh, f for the uh, uh, Canadian Grand Prix in uh, 2012. Um, they went into that race knowing that their brake cooling wasn't good enough to finish the race, and um, they uh, th they basically had um, Charles Pick of you know as, as essentially you know pull pull back on pace. And they had Glock just basically go as fast as as the car could go, knowing that he probably wouldn't finish. Um, you know that, that they expected their uh, brakes to fail. Um, the uh, Marussia MR01, which is in um, R Factor Two, um, you actually cannot finish a full race at uh, uh, Montreal if you drive the car in a, in a uh, realistic way. 
and um, you know the uh, the uh, degradation of of, of the uh, brakes there. That's something that I um, obviously heard over the team radio, and I heard them telling me, and that they didn't expect um, the uh, cars to finish. Uh, Pick actually did finish, but obviously he was pretty far behind. But uh, but yeah, it's it it really does factor into it, not just at the kind of grassroots level that uh, Simon was talking about, but it, uh, it it obviously really factored into what they were doing in the uh, Grand Prix that that uh, weekend. Yeah, and I think especially early in the season, you get that a lot in Formula One. You know, with the limited amounts of testing, they there are many teams might go into the first couple of races of the season not necessarily knowing if if they're going to make it to the end. One question there, though, Tim. Did the Marussia team know that the you were modelling that in the sim? And uh, did they did they feel that, that benefited their licensing, their, their licensing out their product for a marketing, from a marketing perspective? Well, un- unfortunately, we never got to do uh, pretty much any of the stuff that they, um, or, the, or, or that we actually talked about, you know, as far as working together. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it it was a really slow process, licensing and everything, and just everything that was said just basically never happened. <laughs> uh, it was one of those things. But but I do have an interesting kind of story that sort of relates. It's from the same company, anyway. Um, in R Factor One, if you used the um, the uh, CD crack and obviously replaced the um, EXE to bypass the uh, copy protection, um, you actually had increased brake wear. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, that was their little uh, thing that uh, that that to uh, combat piracy was basically um, in 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 the same way that you would have people coming in the support forum that were complaining about certain things that were always happening with their software. As the as the support person, you would know exactly what was the uh, problem, and that was that they obviously hadn't um, licensed the software, or that they were using a different exe. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one as well in in this respect because I know that, well, yeah, I mean, from talking to certain developers who will not be named working on certain sims that won't be named with certain car manufacturers that definitely won't be named, um, they've had situations where the car behaves in a certain way as evidenced in real life in the real-life races that take place for that real car um, and when it is then simulated, the car manufacturer not happy that essentially, you know, that, that, that you're representing what a shed that car actually is. Um, it was an interesting thing for me, obviously, writing recently about the you know, 2022 Mercedes, which obviously had the terrible problems with porpoising and then um, oscillation and balancing in the suspension. Um, it, You know, I don't, I don't think uh, iRacing necessarily did hundred percent justice to um, how difficult that car was to set up and drive. Um, I think I think if they had, it would have probably been um, quite difficult for most of the people that paid good money to buy it. But uh, at the same time, it's you know you can imagine that when um, their contract came together with Mercedes for that, they didn't necessarily want to uh, um, represent uh, a car that was going that that nearly every player was going to stick into a fence all the time. I'm sure yeah. many of them still find their way into fences nonetheless, but Yeah, and that's the you know, that's 
that's a broader topic, but um, you know, and I, I know that you're a flight sim guy, so you know, all of the switches and knobs and things are you know kind of exactly what you're looking for. Um, but uh, you know, for for me, I I think that um, a modern Formula One car actually accurately simulated, um, as in a 22, you know, 2023 car would be something that just simply wouldn't appeal to me based on the fact that um, I wouldn't be able to even keep it running, I don't think. Um, you know, that's that's actually one of the most difficult things for me. Um, I, don't, and, uh, I don't know, it's got anti-stall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think there would be enough anti-stall in the world to um, you know, actually help me through that. And uh, I, I think, um, you know, as far as, you know, physics and, and everything, I think um, that's why uh, old cars with no downforce really appeal to me, because they're really simple, um, you know, same as me. But uh, the 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 thing with um you know the the licensing especially that you were just mentioning is is uh, that's probably why balance of power is a constant edit with um you know uh, you know different um developers where you know they 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 notice that one manufacturer is a lot faster in a certain way that it really shouldn't be and um you know they have to constantly keep tweaking that and uh, bringing it back in line as of course they do in uh, the real real life series yeah, absolutely. Right, well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. Um, thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us to ask any questions and give feedback, um, hopefully of the good kind. Um, Tim, what were the best ways for people to get our attention on RSC? Uh, well, there is a uh, contact page, but uh, I've also just brought back some forums, so uh, people can get in there and post in the forums and uh, obviously um, interact on uh, various social media. It's always Race Sim Central, as uh, all, all one word. And uh, yeah, people can find us pretty much anywhere. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>